0: Hey, and welcome to The Weather Channel. I, Allie, personally know that when you're at rock bottom, it can feel like God is an emotionally abusive boyfriend. This podcast exists to disprove the theory that joy and goodness are only found in perfect circumstances. Here, you'll hear real stories from people who, when faced with heart-wrenching circumstances, chose joy, whether or not it made sense. Hey, Weather Channel community. So I realized that some of you were not here when I was battling cancer. And so you may not know the story behind our t-shirts, but just as I was finishing my first full year of chemotherapy, I was told that I would need a stem cell transplant. This was after I was already in remission, after I thought I was finished. I was so disheartened and honestly angry when I heard this news. I just wanted to be done. I didn't think that I had one more day of fighting left in me. I was so tired. I was tired of hospitals, being away from my girls, tubes, lines, infusions, being poked and prodded, all of the things. And I begged God to give me endurance to continue fighting. I begged him to give me joy and to provide financially for our family as I continued to fight. And rarely have I heard God respond to my prayers immediately, almost audibly. But on this particular day, when I heard that I had to have a stem cell transplant, he did. And he whispered to me, I have and I will. I have been faithful and I will be faithful. And when you hear (laughs) from the Lord, sometimes all you can do is mutter, mutter a very humble and quiet, response and my response to him was you have and you will And this phrase, you have and you will, became so meaningful and so powerful for me that we decided to put it on a t-shirt so that on the good, bad, and ugly days, I could literally clothe myself in truth that God has been faithful and that he will continue to be, no matter how grim my circumstances looked. And today, that shirt is on sale for others who need this same reminder. So if you want to grab a t-shirt, one of our tees or tanks. For yourself, or for a friend or family member, or as a group of friends championing someone else in need of this truth right now, you can do so on sale at allychristian.com slash tease, or you can tap the link in the show notes. Hey, Brittany, good morning. Welcome to the Weather Channel. Yes, I'm glad to be here. So for those of you who don't know Brittany, Brittany is a sweet mama of multiple little children. Um, One of them, I just got to see a little head and (laughs) she is in the thick of it, Um, but she is coming on today to share um, her story that the Lord has written for her and is continuing to write for her. But Brittany, um, before I tell all the things about you, I would love for you to just introduce yourself to my podcast audience.
1: Yeah, so I am a a homeschooling mom, three kids here on earth. Usually I would say four kids, but since I'm going to tell my story, you'll understand that I do have a fourth um, baby in heaven and I am a business owner. So I own the company Ezra Snacks with my husband. I'm the creator and co-founder of that and the author of the Simply Sugar-Free Cookbook. And yeah, we live a life on a, in a small house in the woods in East Texas. And, um, sometimes it's crazy, but it's also peaceful and enjoyable and just a sweet time. So I'm thankful for the life we have.
0: Yes. And I love watching your stories, your Facebook stories, um, and just seeing what your kids are up to. And it seems like y'all are always traveling with your um, business to different places for people to try your yummy snacks and, um, just the fun things that I get a little peek into is, is so fun. So, um, Yeah. So, um, just a little side note, obviously this is not what we're going to be talking about, but Brittany, you have a business, um, making snacks and it is focused on sugar-free. Is that correct? Yes. Okay.
1: So yeah, when I started having kids, I gave up refined sugar. And from there I wrote a sugar-free cookbook and then we launched our snack company. So all of our snacks are vegan, gluten-free, fine sugar-free and pretty low carb as well. After all
0: of my cancer treatment, we have tried as much as possible to eliminate refined sugar. So yes, I, right. I love it. So Brittany, um, I asked you to come on today and share your story because I know that it is, um, as we talked about before, we even hit record, it is so healing, not only for someone who has gone through trauma to be able to share their story, but also for others um, to be able to hear other people's stories and know that they are not alone. So um again, thank you for coming on and being willing to share your story. I know that it's not easy, but um we would love to hear the story that god has written for you especially in regards to your sweet angel baby
1: so our story kind of began we um are actually i'll start kind of from really the beginning we were getting ready to move so we had felt we had lived in the same city for 13 years we felt the lord calling us to downsize our home for the sake of our business for the sake of finances we were in a lot of student loan debt for going to private universities and mm-hmm. Um, we were, we felt the Lord tell us to sell our house and we were able to make a lot on our home. We paid off a lot of the student loan debt. We were going to downsize and live in an RV, the like Instagram adventure, right? That is actually not that glamorous. (laughs) Um, So we went from 2300 to 200 square feet. So that was a big life change. And then at the same time, we were about to move cities after 13 years, after having a community of people that they weren't our family, but they were like family. And we had gone to college together, gotten married, started raising kids together, um, just had a lot of the same spiritual values just deep deep friendships like gone had gone through a lot together but we were going to move closer to family to have more just help with kids to like I said not have as much like month-to-month finances so that we could work our business more and just kind of slow down in life we felt like we were striving a lot financially just to live and pay for like month-to-month bills and not having the space to really grow our business that we felt like the Lord had called us to and so we were preparing to do that. It was a week we moved into our RV. Like I said, 200 square feet, felt like an adventure in the beginning. And then it got really challenging, but we found out we were pregnant with our fourth baby. And honestly, right before I found out I was pregnant, I knew I was like, we were at a business conference, actually like a kingdom businesses conference. And I was like, I bet I, just something like was stirring. I was like, I'm pregnant. I have to be. And so like, I went and got a Test I was pregnant. And honestly, I just laughed because I was like, Lord, what are you about to do? Like, we're living in this RV. Like people already think we're crazy, right? Like three kids, two adults and 200 square feet. Oh, and a dog at the time. And so I was like, people already think we're crazy. And it is a little crazy, but now you're like adding a fourth. And I just felt like it was just going to be this like huge faith journey of like what the Lord was going to do to show people like our radical faith that we already had, but then like more. And so we go, we move, and moving is challenging. I mean, we get here, we're around people who, even family, they aren't spiritually at the same place of, like, the community we had in uh, West Texas where um, things were harder, and we faced a lot of things of, like, what in the world? I mean, there were a couple times it was, like, why are we doing this? Like, no, like, the faith piece, I always, like, remind people, or, like, bring back the story of, like, the Israelites, right? Like, they were, like, slaves. They were freed but then they just forget all the faithfulness of the Lord and what he's done. They're like, nah, take us back. It feels like safer there. And I like felt it like, and in the moment knew I was feeling it. Like, I was like, let's just go rent a house. Let's like, I don't care. I'd rather like be in debt. Like this is way too hard, you know, like whatever. It was just all the things. And you just like face really, what I noticed was just this facing of the idol of comfort. Um, and this has nothing to do with like the biggest thing, but it does. But we were just, you know, we were in this place of like really facing like, being totally submitted to the Lord and honestly like learning what that looked like but also like feeling deep what it was because we felt it and we had to be and just I mean we lived in the heat of East Texas summer in this RV that had one AC on one side of it and like just a lack of like the community that we did have and just a lot of challenges and so we we finally decided to start building our small house um still staying debt-free and so we were you know I was pregnant and growing this baby totally healthy wonderful pregnancy other than that it was hot um, but it was great and then you know we were getting close to the due date so we were at the very end like my sister and her kids would come down because they were going to help um, we were at 40 weeks like due date and I'm you know walking around the track we're like come on like we kind of felt some movement but nothing big and then the next day I that So the day after my due date, I woke up at 5 a.m. and was like, I'm going, I like felt something happening, like something was coming out of me. So I was like, I'm going to, you know, like maybe my water broke. So I like went in, like I was in the same house as my sister. So I told her like, come downstairs, you know, and I thought I'm going into labor, water's breaking. Um, I called my midwife to tell her. And I mean, nothing, I mean, perfect births. There's no like any, there's never been anything scary, never been anything hard. And so I just said, like, okay, I I think my water broke, or maybe it's my mucus plug, plug. and I did think, like, well, there was some blood, and so I told her, and she's like, well, was it a lot, and I'd already flushed it, and I'm just like, we're going to the labor, we're about to have a baby, you know, I woke my daughter up, or she kind of woke up, and I was like, you know, we'll bring your baby brother home soon, you know, and, like, we're just, like, excited, and I told them, midwife, there was a little blood, not much, Cause that's just kind of like, I just wasn't looking for anything bad. You know, it was just like, yeah, there was some, but they say there's a bloody show. Sometimes I've never had that, but whatever, you know, I don't always see what's coming out later anyway, so it could be normal. And so I, um, we get in the car and it was really important to me. Usually the hospital prior to moving had been five minutes away and my babies came pretty quick. My daughter came when we had her, she was, we were literally at the hospital for six minutes. So she barely made it out at the hospital. And so I was a little like nervous this whole time and like trying to fight against fear of like, are we going to be able to make it 30 to 40 minutes away? Like, and man, even just the five minutes in previous pregnancies, contractions in a car felt so miserable to me, like the hardest contractions. So I was like 30 minutes in a car feels like there was this like little bit of fear in my head of like oh no and so I'd just been like praying over the pregnancy like no fear uh you know like smooth car ride like I had like bought a car diffuser just done all the sweet things that I'd like prepared for car diffuser at my shower people wrote down like encouraging notes about pregnant about the birth and I like had them ready to read I had like the music I had picked out like we were like set I was like okay we're doing this you know and an interesting thing is I remember that morning I got on Instagram stories I was like, it's, you know, like we're doing this. It was like five 30 or like five, yeah, five 30. And I remember saying like, we're going to delay you know, and the weird thing is, and I think it's the grace of God, that Instagram story did not load for three days. When I came back home, it was still like trying to load and I just deleted it. And I was like, that is so interesting, but I will say, so I, we get in the car, I have the diffuser, my sister and my husband are there and we have a peaceful drive. I mean, it is, it's good. We listened to the same song over and over, which became the same song we listened to for days. It was uh, Gyra by Mavericks Music. and Music. Mainly, I was going to listen to that and then just let songs play. But I was like, no, I need the same song. I needed to like not let my mind work too hard because I could feel contractions increasing. And I was like, just trying to like stay focused, I guess. And I read some of the cards and it was sweet. And I felt more like gushing of things in the car. And I didn't say anything to them because I was trying to like, contain like mental composure for the pain I was in but as soon as we got to the birth center I was like getting out of the car I was like and I'm pretty sure my water broke my sister was like in my car you know like just excitement you know like we're just excited we're ready I go in I the midwives are there filling up the bathtub and I'm like you know I'm pretty sure my water broke in the car and like well would you like to go to the bathroom before we like lay down and make sure you know check everything I was like sure and so I go and I was like uh when I went, I realized there was a lot of blood that had come out and like clots of blood. And I don't know if I've ever seen clots of blood, but I immediately knew that's what it was. And I was like, uh, I don't know if this is not water. There's like a lot of blood. So they came and they looked and in my head, I'm probably, I'm still like not expecting the worst, not thinking the worst. I'm very like, as a person, like optimistic, still relying, like deep in faith, like always like some of our journey, like I said, is like self-employment and like trusting Lord and seeing his faithfulness. And just like always been like, kind of like on top of like the faith and trusting the Lord and not like fearful or thinking the worst. And so I go and lay on the bed and they start trying to find the heartbeat. And even then my prayer in my head was not like anything the worst. It was just like, no, Satan doesn't get to come in with fear. Like I have prayed against fear this whole time. Fear is not going to like take me over now. He's not going to like derail this whole thing. And like, you know, well, they, it took them a long time. And I kind of, I kept my eyes closed. I kind of saw my sister's face. She does definitely lean more towards fear. I mean, we've had some trauma of losing our brother in a car accident. And I think a lot of it comes from that. And, but I like, I saw her face and I just like kept my eyes closed. I was was, like, nope, like can't go there. You know, I'm just like still believing, praying against fear and they're, like, I mean, having a really hard time finding the heartbeat, and they say they think they found it at, like, 100 or 90, like, which is obviously very low, and then they're, like, let's go to the hospital, so, like, we run out, we get in the car, my sister ends up in the car with my mom, my mother-in-law shows up, we all leave, I mean, it's literally two blocks, it takes us two minutes, but in the car, I do, like, kind of, like, it's not, like, a huge breakdown, but I start crying, and I just tell my husband, like, no, this is not okay, like, Satan does not get to come in and do this, like, and I'm, and I'm still just like, no, we're okay, but like, he doesn't get to take over in fear, you know, so we get there, it takes a while to get us checked in, because, well, we weren't checked in there, and, um, we get up to the room, and then kind of everything goes south there, so we, um, they finally get us in, the nurses are really worried about getting me all checked in, versus just, like, checking on me, which was a little frustrating, but the doctor who came in, she was very, like, more diligent and more focused on me and kind of like she was frustrated too i think at them but she focused on me was like trying same thing trying to find a heartbeat they brought in a sonogram machine like it would not boot up like it was just taking forever so then at some point in this i remember them bringing in a sonographer like an official person in things i'm at the time having contractions still thinking whatever's going to happen can happen quick because my word you know, like this is intensifying. How am I supposed to just lay here? This is like getting intense, and like truly, I'm like dilated. And I think at one point they said I was dilated for like eight or nine. And so I'm just telling you, like, I'm ready, like healthy pregnancy, like perfect baby, like no problems. And then at some point I start. I think it started getting really hot, and like my mom brought me some water, and they were like, no, because they realize it's probably gonna have a C-section. Like she can't have water. Maybe it was. I the timeline of this is a little foggy, but I. Started feeling very hot, so I started telling them I'm really hot. I'm really hot, and they're like, "Well, can you?" I don't know if they said, "Can you hear me?" And I said, "I can hear you now, but I'm pretty sure I'm about to not be able to." Like I could tell I was like fake, like going down. And they said something. Maybe they asked me like, "Can I move my legs?" And I was like, "Or can I feel my legs?" I was like, "I can't feel them, but I think I can move them." And I, I think I moved them. But so they immediately like. I don't think I ever fully passed out, but they got someone to hold my legs up, and I was definitely like not fully there. I remember, you know, like I'm still sitting there just praying in my head. And like, they were saying like, there's no heartbeat. And at one point my husband came and I just told him like text, And I told him my best friend's name was like, text Kelly, like tell her to text her, like tell her to get everybody to pray basically. And I remember he said what, and I was thinking, Oh my word, I don't have enough energy to say it again. You know, I was like, I can barely get these words out, but I like somehow was able to say it again. And he like, Someone sent a text and it just, you know, like rallied people to pray. And I think I said, pray for life actually at that moment. And so the doctor ended up coming to me and looked me in the eyes. And she said that the baby's gone, but right now we have to focus on you. And I just shake my head yes but I'm still just praying for a miracle and like surely not you know but I do understand because I'm like barely being able to like talk and operate I, I realize something's all right so they tell me I'm gonna have a c-section which obviously is fine you know but they also ask me like do I want to have a have an epidural maybe they just said we're going to give you an epidural and I asked can I just be put under because one um part of like probably part of wanting to have natural births has also been just a fear of an epidural I've always I don't know why it's been a little fearful and so like that plus my like just I guess I don't know focus and strength is like just gotten me through natural births and I was like, I'd rather be put under. And even in that moment, I was like, I don't, I had thought like in all the stuff, like, I think if they asked me to birth them naturally, I wouldn't even be capable. Like, I don't think I have anything left. Like, and I thought later, like the stories I hear of these moms, other babies has gone and they still birth this baby. And I'm just like, it's incredible strength, you know, but I'm just like, I think like everything just with the like passing out ish stuff. And I had no strength. And I was like, I asked him if I could be put under and he like kind of told me and like what I can do what I can't and so I kind of talked to Miguel about it and just decided that's what I wanted to do and so they took me out of the room and I remember uh, they got to the OR doors and Miguel realized he couldn't go with me and he was like because I mean in every other story of c-sections the friends of my sister like we know like the husband's there you know like that's it's fine so it was like a shock and i'm still you know wavering and like uh being fully there fully conscious i guess but i'm aware but just not like you know focused but i hear what's happening i think my eyes are probably closed most of the time just to like prevent more pain and he's like wait what and then he like asked again wait are you sure i can't go and because it was an emergency c-section he couldn't go And so he kisses me, and as I roll away alone, I remember saying, like, Jesus, you have to be with me. Like, I cannot do this alone, and so we go back. I remember being ready to just be, like, under. I didn't want to, like, remember any part of this part, you know, and I remember hearing them say something, and they're like, oh, we don't have to do that. It's not a viable birth, and I was just like, God, can I please get put under? Like, hurry up. I don't want to hear a single you know and I and soon after I was like out and so I woke up to them letting me hold my baby he was like I said like perfectly healthy like he was uh seven pounds nine ounces like beautiful perfect baby boy and he had nothing wrong like there was absolutely nothing wrong with him which made it even worse, you know, like, I carried you for nine months, in one day, and, like, you're perfect, you're, like, ready for this world, that's why I was, like, such disbelief of, like, how is this actually, like, how is this real, and, like, this moment of, like, there's, this is, like, it's over, like, there's no, like, pushing past it, there's no, like, figuring out a solution, and, like, this is it, like, this is what we're dealt, kind of, like, How is this the final say kind of feeling and it was just like yeah and so what had happened was my placenta had detached they said it literally could happen that morning at 5 a.m when I felt some gushing like and there's a lot of blood clots behind it there was no reason they said these things happen all the time that there was no way to track it or see it it just happened and um so the sweet thing is we got to hold and Cherish our baby's body really for three days. But because of the thing, they had this cold caught at the hospital. We got to hold them um, and just be with them. And it's really sweet. It was right before another like COVID rush. So the hospital pretty open. And I think honestly, if we would have had them three weeks later, there were, it would have been a different story. But I feel like there's some like pieces of like the grace of the Lord on this because, like in that moment, like I said, we lived in a new place for the past, uh, six months seven months and so all of our friends traveled from for like five and a half hours six hours to get to us and like many of our closest friends were there and got to come and hold him and see him and pray over us and i think it was so sweet because when the people who know you best are like far away they're uh, they're not there but the fact that they got to come and hold him made him like more real you know it made his life real and made the fact that everyone in our family got to hold him and see him it it wasn't just like a there goes a pregnancy you know I mean we do we see miscarriages as different and I mean when you hold a baby and when there was just maybe a baby in your belly you know like I have had a miscarriage it it is very different for me but I think if like it just like really solidified his life and like enabled people to really like carry us through better because they got to like see him and how real he was you know and it was such a blessing because I think at one time we literally had like 20 people in our room like worshiping and praying and I had to have a lot of blood transfusions mm-hmm. and I think one thing that kind of it took me through some counseling and a while to like realize but like my life is on the line and that's why it was like such an emergency to get me in there and like I think because it was hard to admit that like I almost died because my baby did die. And so like to talk about me felt like it was like belittling him or his life or what happened. But even the day after or the day of his memorial, we went after we had done everything, we went into a room, just me and my husband, before we we're gonna have lunch with like close friends and family. And I just said, you know, it hit me like when I asked you to pray for life, like to tell everybody to pray for life, like. God did give us life. It was my life. Like, even though that really sucks, that like my baby still died. Like, why couldn't, like, I know God could do both. Why didn't He? But like, He did still answer the prayers. But maybe I just didn't know that like what I was praying for at that time was like me. And so there were just sweet things. And in the moment that all those 20 people were in my room, I remember my closest friends getting really close to me, all the women, and just holding him and praying over him. And I'm, I'm in the middle of like a uh, it was an iron iron transfusion and so I had to get like a lot of iron because I lost a lot of blood and I remember sitting there really I mean tired and kind of out of it but uh, I remember they were praying and I it, like I think my eyes were closed and I was like I'm pretty sure they're like praying for like a resurrection of his life right now and I I didn't have the energy to like like my in my like now, if I was praying for someone, I would like really go after it, but I like felt in my spirit, like agreeing, you know, yes, I agree. And I, would. yes, I believe, you know, and like, I think even in the hospital, like seeing just his body, we still believe that like the Lord could like do something miraculous, you know, but I think he didn't, you know, and that's part of it. And part of the suffering of it is like knowing that the Lord can do it and believing it up until like you can't, you know, until it's, but it was just, it was so sweet to like have our people come in and like believe even more than like we had the energy to really like, or the like physical capacity to like do. And so, yeah, so we went home um, without a baby. We left our baby at the hospital, which is also terribly hard and terrible. When I think of our story, I'm like, that's like, why, like how, you know, just like how, why, like you know just the terrible things of like the parents have to go through is when you think about the death of a child is really terrible but so we are we yesterday was actually nine months after he um had been born and it definitely was harder yesterday was harder I think because hitting the point of like I carried him nine months and then we've been out we've been without him nine months and so I after this is like longer than he was even with me you know and that feels really hard but Zion. I don't know if I said his name was Zion Malachi Sewell
0: so yeah so beautiful and Brittany you show such bravery and courage as you share that story thank you for sharing with us my heart just hurts for you and um what what all you have gone through but I just hear you saying how, how good and faithful the Lord has been to you. And I am so curious, um, what has caused you to still choose the Lord when, when we know that he was in control of all of this, like where have you found him? How have you been encouraged and, and why are you still choosing to trust in him? Yeah,
1: well, I think just real. I listened to a podcast months later. It was it's actually a woman who lost stillborn, and she said like, in her podcast, and it just hit like me and my husband so strongly because it's like that. That's it, and it was like, where else would I go? You know, like because of the faithfulness of the Lord so much in our life, where else would I turn? You know, like it's either. And even my husband was talking last night to someone. He's like it's like you either choose hope or you choose nothing. You know, it's like, I would much rather choose hope, but I mean, it does suck. And I think there's been a lot to learn about lament and like what that actually is. Like before I was like, what even is that? You know, but now it's like how real that is. And like, you see it so much in the scripture, even when people are just telling God, like, why don't you, you know, like yesterday in church, we read this verse in Isaiah and it just said, Lord, would you just come down from heaven? Like rip open the heavens and come down and like fix it, you know? And it's like, I felt that so much. Like you could change it, you know, like in a moment, like why? And even still, I mean, yesterday, like I said, it was very hard. And I, in one moment I'm bawling in church and I'm like, Lord, but like, why this, why us, why did you choose this for us? And then the next moment I'm worshiping. Cause it's like, all I know how to do. And it's like this, as I worship, I feel like I've gotten pictures of like, as I worship, even though death is what was chosen for us and our son like it's me overcoming that and just like stomping on the face of satan you know it's like he doesn't get to win in the end he doesn't get to take us over and take us down with this like you know we're still choosing hope we're still choosing the lord because we know in the end there is hope and we know that because of jesus's life like we get to hope for the future and for eternity and otherwise what is like what is it we have nothing to hope for and so think that's kind of what carried us and I will say like worship was like I don't think there was not that there I don't think there was a moment in the three days in the hospital that we didn't have worship music playing and it was even in the beginning when I had no words when I had no desire to like read or take anything in I would just wake up early every morning just sit drink coffee and just listen to music and look out into nature and it was just like I had no, nothing else to do. Like worship was just like saturated me. And I heard a song recently that like said, our worship is a way of like proclaiming our faith. And I was like, I feel like that's where I was. Like, it was just like, even if it was, I'm not saying I was worshiping, I'm saying the songs were playing, but it was me. Like, I still felt something in my spirit. Like when songs would talk about like another Maverick City music song is a story I'll tell. And it's like, to think about that, I can feel my spirit rising. Like I hope one day like this, I can tell the story and like proclaim my like, God's goodness, even when like nothing felt good, you know? So yeah.
0: Yeah. It's kind of a, a both. And like, yeah. Yes, yeah, it was so hard and terrible, but I love it. You said like, w- what else would I do? But trust in God and knowing that ultimately he has won and there will be um, life, nothing but life in the end. That's, that's so sweet to think about. Um, Brittany, as we're wrapping up, I would love to, and you already kind of touched on it with sharing about um, how you have just been so focused on worship, but I would love just to be able to share with my audience some really practical things that you did to allow
1: yourself to heal um, in addition to worship. Something else, like the word steadfast comes in as far as like, it doesn't always like, I, even now, like, I don't know if I always feel emotionally connected to the Lord or feel anything, but like, I'm still diligent to like, listen to worship, read things, you know, like pour good into me even when there's not like a feeling associated with it, you know? And so whether at times it was like, like, I said, in the beginning, like people would send me books or I got so many books and I'm thankful. Cause I read a lot of them, but in the beginning, I was like, I'm not about to read a book about grieving or about this other person's loss. Like, no, thanks. You know, I <laughs> yes. that bad towards the people. I was just like, I have no capacity to want to take anything in. Like, yes, I have been there laid out, you know, it's like, but I will. And I'm thankful for those. And I have, but in the beginning, what I'm saying is when you can't do anything else and you have no capacity to like do anything, just like letting truth saturate you, whether it's worship or let people come pray over you or just be willing to let people just pour into you. But I also think um, being open to let people help like as much as they want to, like I will say like people came through for us, even in our newer community of, you know, being here for seven months, like so many people, they fed us, they came to see us, they did things with our kids, they brought our kids things, we had family, I mean, we were living in an RV in the heat of the summer, like I said, some our, my sisters-in-laws took us in for six months, I think, we lived with another family, we lived with another family in their home, and we just did it, and like, sometimes it felt really hard, you know, of like, not that it was hard. Like it was a sweet, like time with that family. But sometimes I wondered, like, it was like an internal pressure of like, are we like on your nerves? Is this too much? But like just being open to like, know that you need people and being vulnerable to that is fine. And Mm -hmm. uh, in the first several weeks, like people took care of my kids. And I actually, my husband stayed here. Once we'd had several weeks together, he stayed where we live and continued to build our home so that we could have a home to live in because he built it by himself. And so I went and stayed with my sister, and although that was challenging, I think I was there for a week and a half. Came back to my husband for a weekend, and then went back for a week and a half. Even though it was challenging to be apart from him, it was so helpful to have my sister take care of my kids, and so just a blessing of being able to just sleep when I wanted. Because one, my body was healing in a way that I physically that I never knew that kind of pain and things. But then emotionally, like I could just cry and like for the longest, I just looked at my phone and like looked at pictures. I'm so thankful. Like I said, we had three days with him. We took hundreds of pictures and videos. And that has been something that has been so healing for us is to be able to have that, um, to remember. And sometimes it's still, it's like, was that even real? I know it is, but there have been times when it's like, how did that, how is that our story now? How did this happen? You know, and mm-hmm. to have those pictures is so helpful. And then for me also sharing my story is so helpful, whether, I mean, some people may be more private. I've had a social media platform, so I just share, I mean, I would just share. And for me, like, it was like telling a story to the world, you know, and I think this podcast will be the first time I've really told the full story other than little things, but I, I've wanted to share what's on my heart as I go through it. One, I mean, I didn't like in the beginning, I wasn't thinking like, how can I help others? But like I know it is. But also to see how like Zion's story has been a blessing to others or helped others or encouraged others, like it like fuels my mama heart a little bit to know like at least something, you know, like, and for people to know his name and like, so I guess telling my story and just letting people be part of the story with me has been so helpful. And I know different people struggle with that level of like vulnerability and accepting help, but I would say just like let yourself go and just like let people help. And then even if sharing your story means writing it in a private journal, I think that kind of stuff is really healing and helpful.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. Almost everything that you just shared, Brittany, I didn't realize how similar our stories are and all i can say is yes and amen to that yeah. like not knowing that how god is going to use your story um is yeah. is is a sweet place to be in and then to see him use it is just such a gift so and yeah. yes i totally resonate with what you said about how, like i have i have days where i wake up and we're in atlanta now and when i was diagnosed with cancer um i was in new york and so sometimes i wake up and i'm like where like what is happening? I mean, obviously, I'm not really psychotic and losing my mind, but like I feel like I'm in Atlanta, my kids are going to school. I totally thought I was gonna homeschool, like I thought I was gonna be in New York, but my th- there's just so many details where you wake up and you're like, Okay, but all right, Lord, like this is the story that you're writing for me, and I'm gonna be faithful to it. And um, it's it's such a sweet gift to be able to see his faithfulness through it. So Yes. And amen to everything that you just said.
1: So, um, I think also like when people helped, when people would reach out and say like, how can we help? You know, my sister was even just proactive enough to think, Hey, they're going to like need counseling in the future or like this. And like when people wanted to give financially, she was like thinking of those things, you know, I felt like that was helpful because we did do counseling together and then separately. And cause like I said, like one thing my husband always says is like, I just didn't even know that this was an option, you know, like that, like this could actually happen, especially he was he says, like, you know, we were so naive, like we just had like perfect pregnancies and births, and we had no idea. And he's like, I feel like I just underestimated the fact that like bad things can happen. And I mean, a couple of days before we almost like called the midwife and switched to a home birth, which would have been 35 to 40 minutes away from a hospital. And he's like, what if we, you know, it's just like things like you just have no idea. And I mean, that's not to like put fear on anyone, but it's just like these things that like, talking about like how strong the trauma is of like being so surprised and shocked by the outcome of this part of our life that we had no idea would even be a thing, you know? And so counseling was very important for both of us because of that. And so Mm -hmm. it's been helpful for us to do that together, but also to just always be open to talk about. Zion to be able to talk about our feelings, you know, things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Thank
0: you, Brittany, so much for sharing your story so vulnerably and um, just being willing to help others along this journey. Now that the Lord has you on, not that you chose it, but you, I can just see you being so faithful and courageous as you walk through this journey. So thank you. And thank you for being here today.
1: Yes. I'm so glad yes, Cause like I said, I haven't fully shared that story like vocally and so I feel like it's really helpful so
0: yeah. well, what an honor what an honor to be able to hold you sharing your story for the first time with the world um brittany could we just hear where we um would you share where we can follow you and um let us know how we can keep in touch with you
1: yes i'm on uh social media as at brittany sewell and um you can also find me with our snack company at Ezra Snacks and kind of follow our family journey. We um, started a podcast. We started it literally the week before our son was born. So I'm trying to pick that back up. It's more it's just a lot of um, the family business journey and then education on sugar and things with people's health. Um, but you can follow us on those places. So
0: I love it. Awesome. Brittany, thank you again. It's been so sweet to chat with you today. Yes, thank you. I hope you're not falling for a lie that you could never be holy enough to respond to your situation as our guest today did. I know that's sometimes where my head goes when I hear stories of holy struggle, so can I remind you that you have everything you need to respond the same way? Jesus offers hope in our pain, and it usually only requires a perspective shift to notice it. So whether it's time in His Word, going for a walk through creation, or a heart-to-heart with a friend, this is your weekly reminder to take time to snatch that much-needed perspective shift.